the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down, eating your soul. I know a place where mercy flows. Take the stains, make it wider than snow. Like a tide, it is rising up deep inside a current that moves and makes you come alive. Living water that brings the dead to life. This is Crosswalk. With Gino Geraci. We're going down to the river, down to the river, down to the river to pray. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program, Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we, well, typically take your calls and answer your questions about the things you care the most about. We talk about, well, God, the historical Jesus. We talk about the Bible. We talk about world views and world religions. And again, if you'd like to join me on the program, the number is 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. And of course, uh, producer Blake is in the uh, captain's chair doing the production work. And so if you pick up the phone, you dial that number 303-873-1935. Blake is going to ask you what your question is or your comment, and we will make every effort to get your question on the program. And like I said, it's easy to do. You just pick up the phone, you dial the number 303-873-1935. And of course, on this program, we talk about the past, which is history. We talk about the future, which includes the idea of prophecy, but we also talk about the here and the now. And um, so I'm going to read from the American Minute. These are notable events of American significance remembered on the date that they occurred by William J. Federer. He's been a frequent guest on this program, and he writes for today's date, and I quote, love this posting, he said, the only necessary, the, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. This famous quote was from British statesman Edmund Burke. He was born January 12th, 1729. Considered the most influential orator in the House of Commons, Burke stands out in history for as a member of the British Parliament, he defended the rights of the American colonies and strongly opposed the slave trade. In, quote, a letter to a member of the National Assembly, 1791, Edmund Burke wrote, quote, What is liberty without wisdom and without virtue? It is the greatest of all possible evils. For it is folly, vice, and madness without restraint. 
Men are qualified for civil liberty in exact proportion to their disposition to put moral chains upon their own appetites in proportion as they are disposed to listen to the counsels of the wise and good in preference to the flattery of knaves, unquote. Edmund Burke continued, quote, Society cannot exist unless a controlling power upon will and appetite be placed somewhere, and the less of it there is within, that means on the inside, and the more there must be without, that means in Old English, the outside, it is ordained in the eternal constitution of things that men of intemperate minds cannot be free their passions forge their fetters. This is old English talk for what they want brings chains. When I was reading the American Minute, I couldn't help but note a couple of things as we observe culture. As we might even be observing (laughs) the collapse of culture. As of today, there is a calendar that features the United States national debt. And just before the start of 2024, the United States federal debt surpassed a new milestone of $34 trillion. $34 trillion. Dollars. Apparently, as of today, uh, the national debt is thirty-four trillion, twenty-four billion, eight hundred and eighty-four million, nine hundred and sixty-nine thousand, nine hundred and twenty-seven dollars. So, according to the national debt and the federal debt to GDP ratio, this translates to 101,276 dollars. That's the debt per citizen. Now pause and think about that. If you are a citizen of the United States of America, you are in debt to the tune of $101,276. If you're a... The, so the total debt to the taxpayer... Now, obviously, not every citizen is a taxpayer. According to the calculation in Fearless Citizen Commentary, that um, translates to $264,090 per taxpayer. And so in 1960, the United States federal debt to the GDP was 53.38%. In 1980, it was 34%. In the year 2000, it was 59%. And now it's just over 122.29%. 
what that basically means is the debt service on $34 trillion plus dollars means that 20% of all of the money that's generated from every source, everywhere in America, around the world, will only pay 20% of the debt service. So, what does all of that mean? What does it mean that the United States of America is going deeper, deeper, deeper in debt? And by the way, I can almost guarantee you that the debt situation, will it come up in any debates in the future presidential campaign? I doubt very, very seriously that it will. And of course, Victor Davis Hanson, who is a wonderful historian and scholar, he's posted an amazing, amazing article on cultural collapse at AmericanGreatness.com. And what he said a couple of days ago is worthy of conversation and reflection. But again, if you want to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. You know, he writes that in the last six months, we've borne witness to many iconic moments evidencing the collapse of the, of the American culture. He goes on in his article, and he's going to talk about a financial implosion. I just mentioned the fact that our debt's $34 trillion. He is going to mention a military crisis. He is going to mention the disintegration of race relations. He is going to talk about the sexes and lawlessness and education and the end of our national sovereignty. He thinks that all of these are going to provide a perfect storm of deep, deep trouble for America. What do you think? 947 Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. Hey, welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. Again, the number is 303. 303- 873-1935, If you'd like to call us on the program, easy to do. Just pick up the phone, dial the number, 303-873-1935. I was talking a little bit about um, Victor Davis Hansen's article at American Greatness. This is at AmericanGreatness.com. He's posted an article about the cultural collapse. And he is an insightful historian um, from Stanford University. And he writes, and I hinted at um, some of the, the issues that we're struggling with. 
And Victor Davis Hansen points out in his article, and I'm going to quote him. He says, quote, the signs are everywhere and cover the gamut of politics, the economy, education, social life, popular culture, foreign policy, and the military. He said, these symptoms of decay share common themes. He says, our descent is self-induced. He says, it's not a symptom of a foreign attack or subterfuge. He says, our erosion is not the result of poverty and want, but of leisure and excess. Victor Davis Hansen says, we're not suffering from an existential crisis of famine, plague, the collapse of our grid and fuel sources. He says, prior, far poorer and war-torn generations now seem far better off than we're becoming. He writes, what is happening to us is not due to an adherence to a too strict conservative tradition, but is almost exclusively the wage of the progressive project. That's his way of saying, as people are toying, playing with what some call progressivism, others call social justice, others call ideological social justice, woke culture, redistribution of wealth, whatever you want to call it, that's part of the problem. Uh, Imagine what I talked about earlier with the American Minute and William J. Federer and the quote from Edmund Burke who said the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And then, of course, the quote that he made, quote, society cannot exist unless a controlling power upon will and appetite be placed somewhere and the less of it there is within, the more there must be without. In other words, If you can't control people from the out, so so imagine, here's what Edmund Burke is basically saying. People have to be controlled. So pause and think about that for a moment. The human being must be controlled either internally by some moral construct of right and wrong and good and evil that's going to limit wickedness or it's going to be an external control. Now, the reason why I bring this up is if you look at cultures and societies that are by and large totalitarian, think North Korea, think communist China, think again Saudi Arabia, and by totalitarian, I mean government-controlled. In other words, where everything is government-controlled. Now, imagine the government controls the masses, or the religious sensibilities, the social sensibilities, the cultural and moral sensibilities are such that people aren't going to steal from each other. 
They're not going to hurt each other. They're not going to threaten, intimidate each other. They're not going to hit each other. They're not going to kill each other. So Victor Davis Hansen points out, he says, in short, we're seeing fissures that America has not experienced in our cultural history since the Civil War. He writes, the radical left apparently feels such chaos, anarchy, and nihilism are necessary to topple past norms and customs and thereby adhere to a socialist equity agenda that no one in normal times would stomach. In other words, when is social justice going to have its greatest appeal, it's when there is a growing group of people who place themselves in the category of the have-nots. So imagine you're in this category called the have-not or the oppressed. And then there's another category of the haves and the unoppressed. And the have-nots who characterize themselves as oppressed become 20% of the population, 40% of the population, 50% of the population, 60% of the population, 80% of the population. Now imagine the have-nots are placated and pacified by an ever-increasing totalitarian government that promises to give them more and more stuff so that they'll be pacified, placated. In Roman times, it was bread and circuses. In modern times, it could be cable TV, fentanyl, and the promise that uh, you have a guaranteed income. And so, so Victor Davis Hanson points out what are what are some of the things that are creating this sort of perfect storm of disintegration. Victor Davis Hanson says some of the decay is existential and fundamental. He says some is anecdotal and illustrative. He says, but either way, while decline came about gradually over decades, it's sudden and abrupt chaos during the three years of the Biden's presidency has shocked Americans. As you can tell, Victor Davis Hanson um, seems to believe that the current administration and its ideological outlook isn't retarding the process of decay. It's accelerating the process of decay. I think if Victor Davis Hansen were on the other line, and hopefully maybe, hopefully one day I'll get to interview him, I would love to interview him. And, and if I asked him, the things that you're talking about, the chaos, the anarchy, the nihilism, um, you talk in your article about financial implosion. You talk about a military crisis. You talk about race relations. You talk about the sexes. You talk about lawlessness. And I, I guess what I would ask him is, does the so-called 
conservative right bear some of the burden of this ever-increasing slide into decay and chaos. Because guess what? As you look at so-called conservative administrations and so-called progressive administrations, the financial implosion continues. The unsustainable debt that we're racking up. There's a different way of thinking about this. But I'll have more. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. 303-873-1935. I'll be right back. This is Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. I believe there is one salvation, one doorway that leads to life, one redemption, one confession. I believe in the name Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. The number is 303-873-1935. If you're just tuning in to Crosswalk with Gino Dracy, you're going, you know, Gino's talking about Victor Davis Hanson and his article on, um, well, the erosion and disintegration, the cultural collapse going on around us. I'd rather you talk about the Bible, and I'm happy to talk about the Bible, and I'm happy to talk about faith But the truth is, everybody in the world lives by faith. And this might come as a shock and a surprise to you. But the difference between the Christian and the unconverted person isn't the fact of faith, but the object of faith. You see, the unsaved person trusts himself and other human beings. The Christian trusts God. And so, again, it is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that gives us the victory. So if you have any doubts that God honors faith, well, by all means, read Hebrews chapter 11. In fact, one of the greatest problems God has with his children is the development of their faith. And so Satan knows this, and they're therefore attacks the believer's faith. Now, I want to make it abundantly clear that the believer's faith isn't in a coherent, stable government. Can you be a faithful Christian in communist China? Can you be a faithful Christian in totalitarian northern North Korea? Can you be a faithful Christian in Saudi Arabia? Pakistan, India. Well, the truth is you can be, but you're going to experience unremitting persecution. Now, again, the Bible has a whole lot to say about persecution, but I want to sort of circle the wagons and go back around to the fact that If the United States of America is relatively free, if the United States of America 
encourages religious freedom and religious thought. If America creates an atmosphere where people can grow in faith, can mature in faith, and become effective witnesses to the rest of the world, I think that's a good thing. However, there's no guarantee that the United States of America is going to be that place if we continue down the road we're going. And so Victor Davis Hanson points out what I pointed out at the beginning of the program, that we had what seemed like stable interest rates. Now they've gone up. Now, I, I've lived in, in times where where interest rates went to 12%, 13%, even 17% in the, in the late uh, 1970s. A lot of uh, economists and cultural analysts are suggesting that the, the 2020s are going to be like the 1970s. And I hope that that's not true because in the 1970s, you started to have an oil crisis, an energy crisis, an economic crisis. The difference between 1970 and 2020, however, is that in 1979, the national debt was 980 million, excuse me, not it was 980 billion dollars. Fast forward to the 2020s. It's 34 times. Let's do the math right. It's at least 30 times more dramatic than it was in the 1970s. So what does all of that mean? Well, interest rates have soared. That means rather than zero, it's gone up to 5.5%, and we, we can... It isn't unreasonable to think that it's going to go even higher. But if that's the case, the future work will require 20% of the annual budget that will squeeze both entitlements and defense. So now pause and think about that. That means the generation that was born from 1946 to 19, I want to say 64, the boomer generation, they they were the largest generation in the post-World War II um, world. They're now eligible for Social Security, and half of them haven't taken it yet, which will collapse the Social Security system. So think about this for a moment. There is a hot war between Gaza and Israel right at this very moment that could expand um, to the Red Sea and then north to Lebanon. There's a hot war between Ukraine and Russia that could expand. There's every reason to believe that China may invade Taiwan. And so think about that perfect storm. 20% of the annual budget, reducing entitlements, reducing defense, and increasing the amount 
of danger that we have from the collapse of our own southern border. And so there is this rendezvous that many thoughtful people have used terms like economic Armageddon. That's exactly what Victor Davis Hansen calls it in his article. But the current administration is committed to borrowing another $2 trillion in the current fiscal year. So, yeah, what's the difference between owing $34 trillion and $36 trillion? But imagine, well, you're only a trillion dollars in debt. Now you're $2 trillion in debt. Now you're $20 trillion in debt. Now you're $34 trillion in debt. At what point does it become financially unsustainable and there is an economic collapse? Let's put it in different terms. Let's put it in terms that everyone can understand, okay? Let's say that you are a regular person with a regular job. And just for purposes of discussion, in order to make the math work, you're $34,000 in debt. But you only make $2,000 a year. (laughs) How much of the money do you need to live on and then pay down the debt? At what point will you be debt-free? And so, the public is baffled. Is the left playing chicken with us? That's what Victor Davis Hanson writes. He says, is the strategy to gorge the beast thereby demanding even higher federal taxes, which combined with many state taxes now exceed 50% of a person's income? Is the goal massive redistribution by ensuring equity by gouging the middle class and the rich? Or is the left's goal even more nihilistic? To force a remedy for insolvency by ensuring higher inflation, renouncing government debt, and then the appropriation of private capital. In other words, this is his way of saying, at what point will America go, well, you know what? We're just going to default on the debt and pretend like it never happened. We're going to sort of declare global financial bankruptcy. And then what happens? This is Gino Geraci. 94.7 Now, back to Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. Happy to take your call. The number is 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Michael, welcome to the program. Hey, happy new year, Gino. How, how are you? You know what? I'm pretty good, except my knee is about as stiff as it's ever been because I think an Arctic <laughs> front is coming in, and, you know, that titanium inside of my body just freezes over. Other than that, I'm doing good. 
Well, I have two of those titanium knees, so I, I feel your, your pain. <laughs> yeah, you really do. You understand exactly what we're talking about here. But, you know, we thank God for the miracle of modern technology. And I don't know about you, but hopefully, you know, the intention is to make our life a little bit easier and better, not worse. Yeah. Well, not, it's not my real question, but, you know, I mean, I think about the rapture. Okay, are, are my two knees going to be left behind? I suspect, I suspect so. I suspect yeah. whatever isn't going to last, doesn't. you can leave it behind. It doesn't really matter. Isn't that funny? Uh, anyway, my, my call was listening to your earlier segment. I mean, as a, as a, a Christian, um, often frustrated with this political nightmare that we have. Correct. And, and just what's the role of the church, not just the pastoral of of, of office but the body of christ and and how much you know in the division like some christians believe in abortion and some don't and some some believe that you know we got to do all these blm things and some don't it's just so incredibly stressful yeah and two what a wonderful question and, and i think i have an answer because the church's goal isn't to ensure that we have a representative government, a constitutional representative government, even though I want a constitutional representative government. I don't want totalitarianism. I don't want socialism. I don't want... I don't want anarchy either. so, So, Michael, you probably know where I'm going with this. It is like, is government preferable to anarchy? Yes. Is even socialist totalitarian government preferable to anarchy? Oddly enough, the answer is yes. Is socialism and totalitarianism preferable to a constitutional republic? My answer is no. I don't want totalitarianism and socialism. So we have this great opportunity where we get to participate in the process as citizens. But to your point, what is the church's goal? What is the church's role? And the church's goal and role is to love God, to glorify God, to display God's grace, to evangelize the world, to baptize believers, to instruct and disciple believers, to edify believers, to discipline believers, to provide fellowship for believers, but we also have an obligation to care for our own in times of need, and we also have an opportunity to care for people who don't necessarily identify as Christians, but we as Christians can, by God's grace and mercy, um, be both good citizens and good Samaritans. And and so we're I think we're supposed to act as a restraining and enlightening force in the present world and to promote what is good. So if I were to say what what is the role th- this is ideally okay th- yeah. this is this is an ideal role. What is the ideal role of the government? It's to promote righteousness, to prevent wickedness. And to promote what's good. I think that's the church's role. We share that with the government. We share the obligation to promote what is righteous, to prevent what is wicked, and to point out what is good. Now, obviously, in the confusing world in which we live, 
you know, you have a former famous president says it all depends on what you mean by what is righteous and what is good. You know, it all depends. And and so you go, I, I actually do not expect unbelievers to have a biblical definition of what is good, what is righteous, or even what is wicked. But you know the difference. You know right. the difference. You know the difference because guess what? You've been saved. You've been born again by God's Holy Spirit. You know that there is such a thing as sin. You know that Jesus is the solution to the problem of sin. And then you look out in this great big world, and I don't know how old you are, but if you have two knee replacements, the chances are you you lived in a in a world where gun smoke and and uh, the rifle man and 1950s uh, yeah. leave it to Beaver that that there was some semblance of 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 a traditional morality that sort sort of anchored us collectively, culturally, and socially. Right. No, I, I I remember those days fondly. <laughs> but you know, and I look at my grandsons and I go, Oh my gosh, what if if we as senior citizens don't step up and help kind of direct the future through, you know, the, the the governmental process and voting is is one thing, but it's almost like in the old days we call it the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Right. And so all of these, you know, people that are pushing this movement and that movement and the other movement, they're the squeaky wheels. And our government is just caving in to that modus operandi. And, and that's not what the government was designed to do. They were supposed to be for the common defense, right? And, in fact, some of the old school things when my, my grandfather told me, you know, uh, income tax was supposed to be temporary and, and uh, to help get through the the war debt. Right. And and so it's just getting crazier and crazier. And how much money can they just float debt? That's just dumb. It's just yeah. Dumb. I can't even yeah, begin I to tell you. Begin. Yeah. I can't even begin to tell you how big a number thirty four trillion is. That number is so big. I, I'm trying to. I, even wrap my head around it. But again, to your point, we are living in a world where the government has become the squeakiest wheel of all. Right. And the hard part is, is that both Democrat and Republicans have never really fixed the issue. They just be, they just kind of, you know, Kick the talk can and, and yeah. don't do anything. Yeah, they kicked the can down the road. That's why I was pointing out. This isn't just a quote-unquote Democrat progressive problem. This is a Republican problem as well because, again, for the for, – for, and no one is addressing the issue. What, what will you do to meaningfully reduce and then eliminate the debt? And the answer is, let's just be honest, we won't. Well, if you're not going to do that, then what in all honesty will you do? And, and so – but they're, they're afraid to say – what seems to be the obvious. You, you can only create so many more wars to generate so much more income in order to, to feed the debt monster. And, and so, right. again, I, I am for capitalism, but what happens when consumer, consumerism and consumption 
becomes deadly. I, you know what? Again, I, I think of the illustration of cancer. Cancer is a cell that refuses to cooperate, and then it, be, it, 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 it enlists other cells to not cooperate until there's so many cells in your body not cooperating that it kills the host. Right. No, I think that's a great example. My, my frustration is, is that, you know, I love studying the Word, and I love, uh, I love God and Jesus, and, and that, that's important. But sometimes I feel like Christians bury their head in the sand by burying it in the Bible. Well, and again, I love the Bible, and I think it's the Bible that is going to offer us the one hope that if there is such a thing as hope, that are, that's going to steer us out of these horrible, terrible waters. I'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.